Good evening, everyone. This is Brother Brandon coming to you live from Fort Smith, Arkansas, with another Fishers of Men Bible study for you. And uh, we'd like to welcome everyone to our Tuesday night Bible study. And uh, we're going to be getting into Matthew chapter 9. And uh, we're going to continue pressing forward in our study. And there's a lot here, so we're going to be kind of going... If I talk really, really fast, it got a lot to go through. Um, before we begin, uh, prayer request, same as usual. Uh, pray for me. Pray for my videos. Pray for my ministry. Um, I know a man, uh, Brother Joey, he always appreciates prayer, so pray for him. Pray for our brothers and sisters uh, in Christ. Pray for our leaders pray for our nation all the same usual spectrum <clears throat> um, let's see what else I think that's going to be it for prayers and praises so if you all want to share a praise or if you have a prayer request you can feel free to mention them in the comments below um, announcements um, the week of 4th of July, so that's like coming up in like two weeks, literally, because this is the last full week of June, believe it or not, we're already half done with the year, yeah, it's a shocker, <laughs> um, but we really are almost half done with the year, uh, this is the last full week of June, um, but Lord willing, Next Saturday, I'm going to be out of town, so that whole week, there will be no broadcasts. I'm going to take some time off, going to maybe, Lord willing, head up to Minnesota, spend some time with, see family up there. Um, I, I know i got family that wants to see me, so uh, pray for me on that. Pray for a safe journey up and back. I would greatly appreciate that. Uh, with the way things are kind of going now with the con the economy and stuff, I've just I'm very um, what's the word I want to say? I'm very um, unsettled about traveling that far by car. Um, but we'll see what happens. If the Lord wants me to go, He'll put me there for a week and bring me back. If the Lord doesn't, then He won't. So. Um, but I think either way, there just won't be any broadcast that week because I am going to take some time off. Um, other than that, that's all I've got for announcements. So, um, if you have your Bibles with you, we're, I guess we'll go ahead and get started with our Bible study tonight. Matthew, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9, and uh, we're going to start in verse 1. But I kind of want to recap a little bit of what happened in verse 8 and then move into verse 9. Because um, verse 9 sort of picks up right after verse 8. <clears throat> so we see here towards the end of verse 8 that Jesus came to the Gergeshines. And there was two. There are two men that were possessed with devils, and Jesus casted them out into a herd of pigs. But you notice that the whole town in that area heard what Jesus did, and he heard. And they they even saw him. And when they saw him, they didn't bow down and worship him. They actually wanted him gone. And so you see that these group of people just completely outright rejected the word of God. Completely wanted him gone. They didn't want him, they didn't want him there. They wanted him out. And what we see from that is just because you may see miracles and even see the Lord himself, it does not mean it's going to help you to believe on Christ because you have to check your heart. It's a heart issue. 
So what I'm saying is, is that someone could have seen Jesus and seen the miracles and still rejected. It's very possible. And we saw that with the Gergesenes. So, picking up where that left off, starting in verse 1 of chapter 9. It says, And he entered into a ship and passed over and came into his own city. And behold, they, bought, they brought to him a man sick of the palsy, lying on a bed. And Jesus, seeing their faith, said unto the sick of the palsy, Son, be of good cheer. Thy sins be forgiven thee. And behold, certain of the scribes said within themselves, This man blasphemeth. And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore, wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? Now, let's stop right there for a second, because I want to kind of get into um, <clears throat> a couple things. The first thing we notice is that these scribes, well, okay, the first thing is Jesus healed this man of the, of, of, that had palsy. Then we see that these scribes said within themselves, this man blasphemeth. I have a question for you all. Can God blaspheme his own self? Nope, he cannot. Now why do I say that? Because according to 1 Timothy 3.16, Jesus Christ is God manifested in the flesh. God cannot blaspheme him his own self. He cannot. But you see these scribes where they were accusing Jesus of blasphemy. Now I'm going to tell you something about that. These scribes didn't know who Jesus was. They didn't know who they, they didn't know who he was. They didn't want to accept him for some reason. Or they may have chosen to reject him. I don't know. But they didn't. They didn't know who Jesus was. And they accused him of blasphemy. Now, you also notice in verse 3... It does not say that they said this out loud. It says that the, the scribes had said that within their own selves. Means that they didn't speak it out loud. They thought it to themselves. Okay? Now... Um, I do want to share a verse here. Oops. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing sunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Now, who is the word of God? The word of God is Jesus Christ. Now hold your place there in Matthew. Hold your place there and we're going to turn to John. John chapter 1. And I got to turn here because I want to establish the fact that Christ is the word of God. John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, In the beginning was the word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And going down into verse 14, it says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Okay, so now let's go back to Matthew. So we see that Christ is the Word of God. 
Now, it says in verse 4, And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore think ye evil in yourself, evil in your hearts? Jesus Christ is the Word of God. Your Bible, your King James Bible, is the Word of God. It knows this book is alive and knows the very intents of your heart. Knows every single detail about you. Why? Because Jesus said that my words are spirits and they are life. The Word of God knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your heart. Your Bible knows what's in your heart. Why? Because your Bible is Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ and the Bible are the Word. So you know, and you could see in verse 4, that Jesus knoweth, knowing their thoughts. Can you speak out thoughts? Yes, but these it doesn't say that. It says that he knew their thoughts. Meaning, these scribes, this is what they were thinking. And God is revealing to us what was in their thoughts. And what was in these scribes' thoughts was that these scribes and their thoughts had called Christ a blasphemer. And the truth of the matter is, you, these scribes didn't know who Christ was. They didn't know who Christ was. Because if they did, they wouldn't have called him a blasphemer. And you know what a scribe is, don't you? A scribe is one who translates and writes down the word of, of the word of God. Throughout time, God had set up scribes to write down copies of the word of God. Why? Because it was God's way of preserving his word. And these scribes didn't know who Christ was. They were ignorant. They didn't know who the truth was. And if you don't know Christ and if you don't know the truth, it comes to show that you reject him. But that doesn't have to be. God says that it is not, it's not his will for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. God wants and desires for all men to repent. But there are people today that will willfully reject the word of the word of God. So, starting here in verse 4, and Jesus knowing their thoughts said, "Wherefore think ye evil in your hearts? For whether is easier to say, thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say arise and walk. But that ye may know that the son of man hath power on earth to forgive sins, then saith he to the sick of the palsy, Arise, take up thy bed, and go into thine house. And he arose and departed to his, to his house. But when the multitudes saw it, they marveled and glorified God, which had given such power unto men. And as Jesus passed forth from thence, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the receipt of custom and he saith unto him follow me and he arose and followed him you see now if you don't know what the receipt of custom was the receipt of custom was it was a table in which uh, like people like Matthew would collect taxes there tax is a tax collectors a tax collectors table, and the tax collectors were very much frowned upon because they they would steal and 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 extort money from their own people while taking taxes for the Roman for the Roman government. 
You know, what does that sound like to you? It sounds like a lot like what our politicians do with our tax dollars. They just take it and do whatever they want. And it's not right. But can I tell you something? We may live in a corrupt government. And yet Jesus called Matthew, one who was frowned upon, to follow him. How much more can he call a politician that's in office to get saved and follow him? Now you realize that he didn't just stay a tax collector. You know what he did? He forsook all. He got up from the tax collector's seat and left his job. Completely left everything. To follow Jesus. The question I have is, are you willing to do that? If Jesus were to say to you, come follow me, are you willing to give up your family, your job, everything? Would you be willing to give up everything just to follow Jesus? Matthew did. You know, some people in this world, they don't want to give up their sin. They don't want to give up certain things just to follow Christ. But when you choose to follow Christ, you give up everything. Disciples did. And you know what? They, they were very blessed men. They spent three years with Jesus. They were blessed. And I mean, they were extremely blessed. There's only one disciple that was not, and that was Judas Iscariot. He betrayed Jesus and committed suicide by hanging himself in a tree. You know why? Because he had worldly sour. I can't, I can't speak today, so forgive me. But he had worldly sorrow. And that worldly sorrow pretty much put him to committing suicide. And Judas is in his own place in hell. He is. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that he's in heaven. He's, Judas is in his own place in hell. Um... In verse 10, it says, And it came to pass, as Jesus sat at meat in the house, behold, many publicans and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto his disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? But when Jesus heard that, he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. Isn't that interesting? And, and you could see the pride and the arrogance from these Pharisees. Their holier than holier than thou attitude. Their, you know, their pride. In their pride, the Pharisees asked, you know, unto the disciples, Why eateth your master with publicans and sinners? You know why? Because the Pharisees thought that they were too good to eat with sinners and to eat with publicans and tax collectors. Because they sure thought they were holier than everybody else. Nope. Nope. You see, Jesus says it is it is the sick that need a physician sin is a spiritual disease that will lead to physical death and by the way sin can manifest in physical disease too Because a person can be so angry, so angry, and, and, ha and have a bitter heart, 
that that will actually manifest in itself cancer. It can, it's possible. The only way that one can be set free from the power of sin is through Christ and what he did at the cross. Only way that you can be free from that power. And so these know-it-all Pharisees think they're so holy, so righteous, when they're not. They're actually very disobedient to God and his commandments. And, and by the way, the Pharisees never kept the commandments. They braved that they did, and they never did. But these Pharisees, they didn't want to have anything to do with sinners. But you know, Jesus, Jesus did. You know why? Because he came to what? Seek and to save that which was lost. Now, um, Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And anybody and everyone that is without Christ is lost. And that is where Christ went to. And you notice that it wasn't the sinners that came to him. He went he went to them. He, they didn't come to him. He went to them. And so we see because of Christ's heart for the lost, he went to them. He befriended them. Now, does that mean that he went and, and he stooped down to their level just to save them? No. But he did go to them and was a light and witness to those people. And as Christians, that's what we ought to do. We are not to alienate the lost. We ought to go to the lost and be a light to them. as well as salt. If we can't do that, what's the point? You see what I'm saying? Is that we are commanded to preach the gospel to every creature. We need to come and go to the lost and witness to them. And when you witness to the lost, you're not to take the, you're not to take the Bible and smack them over the head with it. You're not to say repent or burn. It's not how that works. Get to know those people. Befriend them. Feed them if they're hungry. Get to know them without compromising, without you falling into sin. Get to know them. Be a light. Tell them the truth. Witness to them. The lost and dying world are looking for Christians that are genuine. Not some hypocritical, self-righteous person that, you know, thinks they, they, that everything's all fine and dandy. And, and, you know, when they slip up, you know, they say, well, if that's what Christianity is, then I don't want any part of it. They're not looking for that. They're looking for people who are genuine, who are loving, who are caring, and loving enough to tell them the truth. We ought to speak the truth in love. You have to have a balance of salt and grace. You have to have a balance. You know, because God tells us that an unjust balance is an abomination. An unjust weight is an abomination. And we ought to, we ought to witness to, to the lost. We, are, we ought to share the truth and love. 
not beat them over the head with it. Because people are going to get turned off by that. People are going to get turned off that way. It's got to be a balance. You can't have all grace and no salt. And you can't have all salt and no grace. You have to have salt and grace. Why? Because salt will cleanse and purify the spiritual wounds. And it will and it stings, but it helps. It kills salt preserves and kills the bacteria. But you gotta do it with grace. You just gotta have grace. You know, when you got saved, Christ, the Holy Ghost came and brought you to Christ. All you did was you accepted, you accepted that invitation. By your own free will, you accepted that invitation to go to Christ. And you got saved because you realized by the conviction of the Holy Ghost that you were a lost sinner on your way to, to a devil's hell and that you need a savior. You see, that's what the law shows us. The law shows us that we are lost sinners on our way to hell that we need a savior to save us. Amen. Now, the Pharisees were very, um, what's the word? They were very offended at the fact that Jesus would sit with, with sinners and publicans. Yeah, but that's what Jesus does. He goes to the sinners and the publicans. He goes to the lost and crooked, perverse people and save them. He saved Paul. And by the way, let me just prove a point. When Paul, when Saul, who then became Paul, when Saul was on the road to Damascus, was he on that road saying, Where are you, Jesus? Where are you? Come down here. Did he do that? No. He actually was on that road to arrest God's people. He was on that road to sin. Saul was on that road to sin. And guess what? It was Christ who came to Saul. And he got saved on that road. Blind three days and after three days, Ananias prayed for him, received the sight, and was baptized. God got a hold of a Pharisee on that road by the name of Saul. And he became Paul and was one of the most influential apostles. All the apostles had huge influence. Paul was among them. Paul was one of them that was among the other apostles. He had a lot of, just like the other apostles, he had influence. He too had influence, and he went to the Gentiles. First he went to his own people, and his own people rejected the word. Paul said, all right. Your blood be upon your own heads. I'm going to the Gentiles. But you want to know something? Paul prayed that one of these... He prayed that his people would get saved. And you know what? Paul's prayer is going to be answered. There's coming a time in the future where 144,000 Jews are going to get saved. 12,000 from each tribe. Now think about that. That's over 2,000 years in expansion. Paul's prayer has not yet been answered, but it will be. What does that tell you? Is that sometimes when you pray a prayer, God may not answer it right away. But eventually he will. But it is on God's timing that he will answer that prayer. And guess what? There's a time 
that God will answer Paul's prayer. <clears throat> now, it says this, and here in verse 12, it says, But when Jesus heard that he said unto them, They that be whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. But go ye and learn what that meaneth. I will have mercy and not sacrifice. For I am not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then came to him the disciples of John, saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast oft, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bridegroom mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken from them, and then shall they fast. You know, Jesus is talking, What he? well, this is what he's basically saying. His disciples are not going to mourn over the over him yet. But the night in which he was betrayed by Judas, when the chief priests and the Romans took Jesus away, that's when they would mourn. Because the bridegroom is not with them anymore. Because Christ was getting ready for his passion to be whipped to be mocked to be scourged forced to carry his cross on Golgotha with the help of one Simon not Peter but I think it's Simon the, uh, Simon the Serene I believe it is Help carry Jesus' cross on top of that hill. And was nailed in the hands and the feet. Was nailed on that cross. Then was propped up and still mocked of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were asking for a sign. They weren't going to be given the sign. But the Pharisees mocked. Now, verse 16, it says, No man putteth a piece of new cloth onto an old garment. For that which is put in to fill it up taketh from the garment, and the rent is made worse. Neither do men put new wine into, new, into old bottles, else the bottles break, and the wine runneth out, and the bottles perish. But they put new wine into new bottles, and both are preserved. While he spake these, these things unto them, behold, there came a certain ruler... And worshipped him, saying, My daughter is now dead, but come and lay thy hand upon her, and she shall live. And Jesus arose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman which was diseased with an issue of blood twelve years came behind him and touched the hem of his garment. For she said within herself, If I may but touch his garments, I shall be whole. Now, do you remember at the beginning of this video how I talked about how Christ knows your heart? Well, This is another example of that. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. You see, this woman didn't speak aloud. He, she just kept within herself. 
And remember, the Word of God knows your in, the intents of your heart. He knows your thoughts. He knows the intents of your heart. He knows every single thing that you're thinking. And this woman thought to herself, if I just touch the hem of this garment, that, he, that, that she would be healed. And you know what? She did that very thing. And you know, Jesus knew the faith of this woman. She never spoke aloud. She only spoke within herself. And Jesus knew her faith. How much more does he know your faith? He knows. Even if you don't speak, he knows what goes on in your heart. He knows. Verse 22, But Jesus turned to him about, and when he saw her, he said, Daughter, be of good comfort. Thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. And when, Je and when Jesus came into the ruler's house and saw the minstrels and the people making noise, he said unto them, Give place, for the maid is not dead, but sleepeth. And they laughed him to scorn. But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid rose, and the fame hereof went abroad into all that land. You see, Jesus rose this little, this little, this, he rose this maid, this girl. She, she, he raised her up back from the dead. But Jesus said, he, she's not dead, she's just asleep. What does Jesus say about him? What does Jesus say about that? Jesus says, I am the resurrection. If I can spell. John 11, 25. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. What did Jesus say about this girl? She ain't dead. She's just asleep. And they all laughed and scorned at him. Do you know why? Because they didn't see what Jesus saw. The question I have for you is, is that you, Christian? Is that you? If you don't see what Jesus sees, do you, do you, do you, do you scoff? Do you mock? Do you get discouraged? God says, my ways are not your ways. You know, um, let's see here. Isaiah 55, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. And verse 9, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. You see... We don't necessarily see what Jesus sees. But he asks us to trust him. We ought to trust him. And to trust that he has he has our best interest in mind. And that's faith. Amen. That's faith. Hold your place there for a second. I want to go to 
Hebrews, Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In verse 6, it says, But without faith it is impossible, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Amen. Now, so we walk by faith, not by sight. And it's not a blind faith. It's not. Um, Start in verse... Go back. We'll go back into verse twenty-five. It says, "But when the people were put forth, he went in and took her by the hand, and the maid arose, and the fame were, and the fame hereof went abroad into all the land. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou, son of David, have mercy on us.' And when he was come into the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus saith unto him, Believe ye that I am able to do this?" They said unto him, Yea. Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were open, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But they, when they were departed, spread abroad his fame in all that country. And as they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man possessed with a devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake, and the multitudes marveled, saying, It was never so seen in Israel. But when the Pharisees said, He casted out devils through the prince of the devils, You see, the Pharisees did not know Jesus Christ. In so much, they bragged about how they were followers of Moses. They did this and that. But you find out that the Pharisees were hypocrites. Self-righteous hypocrites. And you notice that these Pharisees were claiming that they believed Jesus. But Jesus said, listen, Moses wrote of me. So if you don't believe, and, and, and basically that if you didn't, you know, if you don't believe Moses, you know, well, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to screw it up, okay? So just, but you see that. These Pharisees were claiming to be the disciples of Moses. Yet Moses wrote of Jesus. Moses spake of Jesus and wrote of Jesus. And yet the Pharisees and their pride are, were so blinded they could not even see who Jesus is because of their pride. And at the same time, they blasphemed Christ, saying that he was casting out devils by the prince of the devils. You know, Jesus, deals with that. 
Um, gotta find it here. But Jesus deals with that. Um, a kingdom divided. You know, I, basically, Jesus says, "If Satan be divided against himself, how can his kingdom stand?" If a nation is divided against itself, it can't stand. If Satan is divided against himself, Satan cannot stand. And Jesus said that to prove that he was casting out devils by the power of God. But the Pharisees were saying that he was casting out devils by Beelzebub. So they blasphemed him. They blasphemed Jesus. They called him a liar. They rejected him. Because the Pharisees, by their pride, were so blinded they couldn't even see what spirit Christ was of. And they blasphemed him. The same ones, the same, the same ones that accuse Jesus of blaspheming, they are the very ones that are blaspheming against him. It's deflection. In verse 35 it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. We're almost done. Last two verses. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. So you see that there, Jesus is telling us is that the harvest is plenteous, but there are very few workers who are willing to go out. And he tells you, he tells all of us that we ought to pray that the Lord will send harvesters. That he would, sell, he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Because there's not many laborers. The laborers are few. Amen. And we see that today. We see that today. We don't see many people that are willing to stand up and serve God. And yet, the harvest is plentiful. But there's not a whole lot of people that are willing to get up and preach the truth and to share the truth with people. And there's a remedy for that. Prayer. God says pray. That the Lord will send laborers into the harvest. Amen. The Lord wants you to pray. He wants you to pray. As we are, as we take a look in our days today, pray and ask the Lord to send laborers into the harvest. Because there's not many people willing to stand up and do what's right. And I'm sure there's a whole lot of Gentiles that God knows is going to get saved. And no one's willing to do anything about it. Not a whole lot of people are willing to do anything about it, I should say. Not a whole lot. Only very few people are willing to do what's right. So the Lord's asking you to pray. Pray. 
that the Lord will send forth laborers into his harvest. Because right now, out of any time right now, people need to know the truth. You know, there are many pastors and many churches that are playing games with God. And that ought not to be so. So I want to encourage you. In these really rough times, in these tough times that we're going through. Pray to the Lord for him to send laborers in the harvest. Because the laborers are few. What does that tell you? That tells you that God is in need of faithful people to stand up and to do that which is right in his eyes. Will you be willing to do so? If you're watching this and you're lost today, you can know if you don't know that if you don't know where you're going to spend eternity, you can know today. It's very simple. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Will you cry out to God? Will you heed the conviction of the Holy Ghost? Will you cry out to God to save you? Because if you cry out to save him, he'll save you. He'll save you. And, and the thing is, he knows your heart. He knows the intent. He knows why you're doing it. He knows. Christ knows all. Okay? He knows all. He knows your intents. He knows your thoughts. But will you choose to get saved today? Amen. So anyways, that's all I got today. Um, we went through quite a bit tonight. Uh, we went through 38 verses. Praise the Lord. Um, not sure what I'm going to do on Sunday yet. Not sure if I'm going to even do one on Sunday. We'll see. But, um, next week, Lord willing, we will be getting into Matthew chapter 10. And, uh, we'll just keep trucking along. All right, we'll just keep trucking along. Um, unless if uh, unless the Lord has me still in chapter 9, we'll see what happens, all right? But listen, I love you guys. I hope this was a blessing to you. I hope that you guys learned something from this, hopefully, that there will be lives changed as a result of this. Amen? So hopefully that, you know, hopefully that, you know, you, guys, you all got something from this, all right? Um, other than that, that's all I have tonight. Um, I love you guys. God bless you. You guys have a great evening. And Lord willing, we'll maybe see you Sunday. If not, we'll see you next week. All right? God bless you guys. See ya. Love you. Bye.